Welcome to part two of this special edition podcast when uh, the fans podcast, the QPR podcast, team up with the official club one, um, which is uh, great to do. We're here at the training ground on a sweltering hot summer day, summer's day. For anybody that's wondering, they don't have air conditioning <laughs> at Harlington and it's rather hot. Um, but we are here, of course, to talk about the Stan Bowles benefit game, which is happening on the 29th of July against Bournemouth. Um, I'm here with uh, Paul Finney, who's also from the QPR podcast. And around the table, we have uh, Ian Taylor from the club. Um, thanks for inviting us, Ian. It's no very much like uh, the World Cup final when um, ITV and BBC both screen it and they come together for it. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, we'll, we'll give it a good go. Um, Wasn't any better the second take. No, that was the second take that we did. And we've got um, club ambassador and legend, in my eyes certainly, um, Andy Sinton. Thank you, Dave. Anybody else, sat, has anybody else sat around the table with their first Hotmail password? No, <laughs> definitely not. Or is that too fanboy of me? No, that's fine. Andy, I have to confess, you were my first Hotmail password. <laughs> Don't be weirded out by it. You're not my password Maybe it's anymore. Maybe it's enough for playing Misty for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on. Have you? Yeah, maybe you should watch it. And um, Don Shanks. We're also here with Don Shanks, who um, spoke fantastically in part one, which, which went out a few a days before that, and is also a legend and close friend of Stan. I just have a couple of points in, our, in the fans podcast I'll to pick up on part one. Um, the first one was, and I, and I have no idea um, whether you're going to leave it in the edit or not, so if nobody knows what I'm talking about, ask, ask me. But I don't think I've ever heard an official club channel uh, carry messages of Ganja being a, a benefit <laughs> game before, uh, which is what Colin Hale talked about um, on the first Not the views the first of edit. the football club. Um, and second of all, I mean, Paul Morrissey uh, stitched himself up beautifully in the first half, who's sort of stood behind us, because, of course, he talked about um, Adel Tarapt and um, potentially stitched himself up. He talked about Adel Tarapt and um, how it's no secret that he wasn't a great trainer. Now, we all know football and how football is, and we're recording this a few weeks before the start of the season. We're yet to see who we're going to sign, so it would be quite... You, you never know in football. We, we may well, as people are listening to this, we may well be talking about a QPR team that features Adele Tarapt, and, and Paul may well have to backtrack on that. Miracles happen in football, but I don't think that miracle will be happening. Right. No. Okay. Enough of our talking or my talking. Let's get on with talking about Stan and, and the more serious business um, around why we're here. So, uh, Andy and Don, um, you, you, you've done a, a hell of a lot um, around this game and to look after Stan and to communicate with the fans. And, and we talked about some of it in part one. But Andy, to, to remind us, talk about t- take us through. Um, uh, well, your recent visit to Stan, but also we're going to be hearing from Jerry Francis, and you, you, you went to see him and hear about um, his thoughts on Stan. Yeah, we drove down to see Jerry uh, about a week ago, you know, very busy man with one thing or another, but set aside um, some time and even more time afterwards. You know, it was great. He's, you know, he's a great man and a great player, talking about a great man and a great player, in essence, you know. Um, obviously, the rapport he had as a player and the friendship he had with Stan uh, came shining through um, you know he, he spoke about Stan in glowing terms as a, as a player you know how flamboyant he was how much of an entertainer he was but for me listening to him he, he actually said Stan was a winner 
you know, and uh, he said, you know, he played at the top level for a number of seasons, scored loads of goals. You know, he took a hell of a lot of stick in those days. Defenders, Donald backed me up on this, used to get two, three, four before the referee would take uh, any sort of action. Stan didn't shy away from that. Uh, so, so Jerry was speaking in glowing terms about uh, a fantastic teammate and a fantastic friend. Hi, this is Ryan Manning. Everyone wants to see Loftus Road packed for Stambles on July 29th. Do your bit and buy your ticket if you can. Firstly then, Jerry, your first memories of meeting Stan when he came to join QPR, what are they? Well, it's a long time ago, um, but um, obviously we brought him for £110,000 for Carlisle. Didn't know too much about him, um, any of us really at that stage. Um, but like all things in terms of football and um, players, you know what you look at and what you see on the training pitch and on the on the main pitch for the games is 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 the respect you get as a player. And the, the boy certainly had tremendous talent. And um, it was really early in the first few days of training where um, just myself and Stan just seemed to. Um, you know, have this rapport in terms of playing to each other and double one-twos and, you know, um, football intelligence. He was such an intelligent player with a great ability and um, he saw things, you know. He, when he controlled the ball, his head was always up. He knew where his next pass was and, uh, you know, it, it just it just clicked that we sort of um, had this amazing rapport where we could play to each other blind and um, it, it went from the training ground onto the pitch and, you know, on for... For many years. Do you recall it as early as the first few training sessions? Yeah, first few training sessions, yeah, because, um, um, you know, we did a lot of um, forwards against defence and pattern of play work, and um, so um, you were in sort of real football um, situations in terms of scoring goals, and Stan would be up front and he'd come off and you'd play those little balls, and I'd go beyond him and he'd spin and turn and play me in. And so, all those little bits and pieces, and because um, you know, this was early, this was before we had the 75 76 team, and other players came in, so uh, this is just the start of uh, um, you know, our meeting and our rapport as, uh, as two players. And one of his first challenges was to take on the the, the mantle, if you like, that had been left by Rodney Marsh, and he seemed to thrive on that. Yeah, he was that type of player. You know, he was very flamboyant, Stan. Um, nothing seemed to phase him. There were all sorts of things going off in it, uh, uh, on the outside of his life, you know. And uh, But in terms of actually football and playing, it was something he enjoyed, and he was a winner. You know, he wanted to win. I mean, he took a lot of stick in those days, you know, tackling from behind, you know, was allowed. You'd go straight through people. Um, obviously today you're more protected um, but um, you know he 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 was someone as a manager you would or as a player playing with him you would love to have in your team or you'd love to play with him because he was he, he was such an outstanding player what made him so special off the pitch off the pitch uh, well he had lots of problems off the pitch um, Stan was um, you know, he liked his gambling, he liked his card playing. Um, I wouldn't have particularly said, like, uh, he was necessarily a womaniser stand, but he, he, he enjoyed, he certainly enjoyed his gambling and his card playing. Um, and that, as we all know, can bring you into real problems um, for many, many people in all different walks of life. Um, but it didn't seem to phase him, that stuff. You know, I I, I remember... You know very very well 
going back uh, after training, we had Arsenal plan Arsenal in the evening to his house, and um, um, he um, asked us to come back. And his, his wife Anne would make us some dinner. Um, we sat down um, with a three-piece suite television um, to watch his racing, to watch his racing, and um, basically there was a knock at the door, um, and it was the bailiffs. And they'd come in because he hadn't paid for this or paid for that. They took the suite away, the telly away. And I remember looking, all that was there was the two plates of food on the floor. And uh, Stan was turning the air blue, blah, blah, blah. What was going on? Anne was screaming and shouting. And um, anyway, went to Arsenal that evening, drew 2-2. And Stan got both goals. You know, I mean, that was the life of Stan Bowles. It seems that perhaps he wasn't the most professional player off the pitch. Yet from speaking with his former teammates... He seems incredibly popular. Yeah, I think what you have to do with Stan, I mean, he was one of those one-offs, I would say, you know, in terms of if I was a manager, went on to manage, and, and, and he would be difficult to manage. But I think if you got to know him, you could get the best out of him. And you had to... He was a bit nervous as well, Stan, in terms of his... As a person, you know, he was... And he used to like to go to the betting shop and come in late to change and everything else. And to be honest... That certainly would, that was his preparation. That was how he was. You know, today they, you know, people wouldn't allow it probably. But uh, I think you had to sort of because he was that good and you wanted him to play at his best. You had to give him that. You know, be a little bit later uh, to get training, be, be, to get your kit on or whatever it might be, because you knew that he would perform on the day. You know, he wasn't really one for particularly listening to tactics and everything else. But he had this great tactical brain, this great football brain. You know, which would come into play when you got into the game. Um, so I think he was one of those where you would have to sort of maybe put your arm around a little bit, let him get away with certain little bits and pieces as long as he was doing it on the pitch. You went on to manage, of course, very successfully. Yeah. How would you have managed Stan Bowles? Well, like I said, I would I would have basically have had to give him a little bit of leeway. I think you know um, things that would that would suit him. And today, with all the things that go on today and how professional it is today, he may well have struggled a little bit in terms of the preparation, the things you do and you don't do. Uh, Stan was very much off the cuff, um, and he was one of those. He was happy to be prepared, forgetting about football, and then going out on a pitch and playing. He wasn't one of those that wanted two hours to get ready and prepare his brain and look at videos and read read tactical situations. That wasn't Stan, you know. And um, I think you'd have to recognise that and just say, well, look, as long as he is performing like he can perform on the pitch, that's all that matters to me. If he's not performing like that on the pitch, then he's not playing. But, um, you know, and Stan did have his differences, even in that 75-76 season when Dave left him out for one thing or another. And I remember I went and played up front for a few games. You know, but I was always on to Dave about getting him back in the team, and so I could go back to my midfield place again. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he was difficult. It wasn't really a problem in terms of like you know he was a, a, a difficult character to manage or, or or difficult character to be with. He just had funny quirks of, of of what he thought was important and what you know obviously a manager and a team felt important at the time. You obviously played with some great players, played against some great players. Where does Stan compare? Well, certainly one of the best players I've played with because um, the main reason for that for me was, you know, he brought out fantastic things in my game and I think I brought out great things in his game. And I think, you know, one of the saddest things for me, uh, for both of us that we spoke about many years ago, was that we both played for England, but we never played together. Not once. 
you know, for one reason or another, I had two and a half years of injury, Stan was in and out, but we never even had that one game together. And we, we know what we, you know, you see it week in, week out, play for QPR, what we could do for each other. And, and so that was a real regret of both of us, really, um, that we weren't able to, because, you know, I certainly know that I could have got Stan, you know, to another level, play for England, and he certainly could have done that for me. So uh, that was that was a disappointment. Um, and... Um, you know, just one of those things in life. Do you think he should have played more for England? Yeah, I think he should have played more. Um, you know, I would certainly have been, um, you know, a manager that selected him because I knew him intimately and I knew him inside out from that point of view. I knew what he could achieve. And, you know, I mean, he went on uh, in Europe when we were in Europe and I think he was a leading goal scorer, broke the record in Europe. You know, uh, the, the, the thing about Stan was he played a long time at the, at, the, at the highest level in the first division, you know, scoring goals regularly. You know, um, he didn't do all that in the lower divisions. He played at the highest division for year after year and he scored goals, you know, and um, and that takes some doing, you know, to, to do that on a regular basis. I mean, he was very rarely injured. Uh, you know, any problems like that? He was, a you know, a regular player and he took a lot of stick, obviously, a lot of aggression against him. A lot of it he, he brought on his own back sometimes with the way he was, but that was Stan, you know. And um, uh, so um, I just think, like a few players at that stage, you know, um, he didn't quite get the international caps that he deserved. He was voted, voted QPR's greatest ever player by the fans. Yeah. Obviously, there have been some great players over the years and there's no doubt in Stan's ability. But do you think his personality also played a part in that decision amongst the fans why he was so popular? Yeah, I think, you know, you've got... I mean, I played with Rodney and I played with Stan and, 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 and um, you know, there's no doubt about it that when Jim Gregory came to the club um, in, in, in the late 60s and, uh, you know, they won the League Cup in 67. I was there then, gets West Bromwich Albion, funnily enough, where I'm at the moment. Um, and, um, and, and Rodney was very instrumental in... in, in uh, giving the club a focal point and a focal person, number ten shirt, you know, Rodney, Rodney, you know, but and that went through the third division to the second division, into the first division, and into the first division. Uh, Rodney, you know, didn't play that many games. They got relegated after the first year. I played in, I played in that season as a sixteen-year-old, and um, and and so most of Rodney's goals were in lower divisions for QPR. You know, the next year we were back in the second division. Uh, Rodney ended up going to Man City, had a couple of seasons there. Whereas Stan had season after season at the top level, you know, in Europe and everything else. So I think that um, they were both uh, definitely flamboyant characters with great skill and ability. Um, but I think in terms of um, consistency at the highest level, I mean, obviously, you've got to play at the highest level to do that. Then, obviously, Stan, for, for me, for me um, and certainly me playing with Stan, um, I would have chose Stan uh, over Rodney in that situation. But both were very instrumental in, in doing a lot for Queen's Park Rangers in different periods. But certainly, um, for me, Stan was, you know, probably the best. You obviously knew Stan very well throughout your playing days and beyond. Yeah. What impact has, it, has his illness had on you? Well, I think you know I've just ha I had that before with Dave Sexton, who was our manager at the time, and and um, you know a uh, great friendship with Dave as well, and and um, you know it's very very difficult. I think it's such a hard thing, um, probably for the family and friends, perhaps more so than the person themselves. I mean, obviously you don't know that because you can't tell yourself, but mm -hmm. it seems at times that you know talking to Dave or 
trying to talk to Dave over the period of time that, that uh, basically at times they don't really know what's going on but it's so hard for the family and friends um, and no one knows you know what the individual goes through with the illness um, all you can do is try and be there and, 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 and as a family or friends and try and help or, or whatever you can do but uh, it's certainly uh, a heart-wrenching um, illness and um, as we spoke earlier it's it's something that you didn't see too many years ago as, in terms of so many people and, and, and so many people in early in life um, so it's certainly um, something you would love to see a cure for if possible and how important is it that QPR fans come out in their numbers on July 29th against Bournemouth well, I think it's 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 part of your history. You know, football clubs are all about your history for me, and uh, and remembering that history and remembering what people and players, you know, did for you as a club. Because you know, supporters don't change their clubs; they stay with their clubs all the time. Players, you know, play for different clubs, managers, whatever else, because that's their profession. But you know, you 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 as a supporter, that's 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 your life. You know, and uh, it means so much to individual supporters at. at individual clubs all over the world but certainly in terms of you know what Stan has done for the club you know over a long long period probably the greatest time you know along with perhaps the late 60s winning the league cup but certainly in terms of the highest level in Europe and everything else um, you know nearly nearly winning the title um, and his his the way he played football and the way he was and his his outstanding ability and exciting goals he scored um, you know, it's just a salute, really, for me. Go along and salute the man that did all those things um, in, in in his hour of need a little bit. So, so certainly, uh, it would be fantastic as everybody that can make it can get there. Don, great to hear from Jerry there. Who, for many QPR fans, Don, um, Stan and Jerry are amongst the top two or three names when they talk about the best all-time QPR players. Really great to hear from him and what he had to say about Stan. Yeah, Jerry's very complimentary. Obviously, Stan and Jerry, they, you know, they got on like a house on fire. They were everywhere together, sort of socially as well as, you know, on the field. And, um, you know, he's more than aware of Stan's situation now. And uh, as, a, as he was talking there about a player, Stanley, you know, he couldn't be more complimentary. You know, um, they, they were just the perfect link, Jerry and Stan. I mean, and I think, as they were saying one time... They never did play for England together, yeah. which really, you know, was surprising because they'd have been the perfect link-up for England mm-hmm. together. Now, Jerry knew what Stan was doing and vice versa, and they would finish. If you see some of the great goals, the two of them are sort of concerned with, yeah. Yeah. There's, always a, there's always a a finish to it. You know, it's not like a little one and out to the wing and then start again. There's a shot of goal, the goalie saves it, or it's in the net. You know, it was high, good, good quality stuff. I've made a note there, just listening back to that interview. Flamboyant, nothing phased him, and off the cuff. And that seems to be Stan Bowles. You, you talk about maverick footballers, don't you? And, and those are the kind of words you'd use to describe a maverick. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, every player is different, I'm sure. Andy, same as me, you around the dressing room. We had players who were nervous wrecks. I might have been one of them, Andy. And um, <laughs> Stan would just walk in and, like, you'd be looking, you'd be saying... Aren't you even excited? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, just like, it's almost like, well, let's get this, you know, let's get on with this, let's get out of there, come on. And you've got players doing like 50 press-ups over there, stretching, having to go out, you know. 
getting psyched up. Stan was not like that. He'd put his bet on and then he'd I run would in. have his bets on, yeah. He'd be watching a few races and just sort of That's a down. great story that Jerry tells about the bailiffs coming around and this, the very same night he goes out and scores two again. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be dwelling on that for two weeks. I'll be, oh, yeah. I'll be, but didn't seem, nothing Stan seemed to face that. because more stuff upstairs to take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was pleased yeah. he only took that. Yeah, yeah like, get rid of that, we'll get some new stuff. No, that was Stan. Nothing really did phase him. It was just amazing, you know. You sort of come in training, he, you know, he'd just show up, play, come out. You'd be looking and think, but never any real emotion. You know, Paul. I remember he had his sort of like the old socks rolled up over the top of the tracksuit there and he'd sort of be standing there and he'd have his sort of gold of boots on or the, the Adidas one, one of each, so he used to get paid from both of them. And he'd just go out there and just immediately perform. He could just turn it on right away. And the thing that I... Of course, the pressure then was completely different to the pressure of playing now, owing to the finances in the game, social media coverage, mm. the mass media coverage. But Stan was an icon of his era, and nothing seemed to phase him. That's what, I mean, since as a former professional, that's what I find remarkable. You just said if the bailiffs have been around your house, it would have taken you a couple of weeks <laughs> cool. to recover. Yeah. But that's quite a, a trait in itself. Some, some people are like that. And Paul asked Jerry a great question. You know, he said uh, Jerry's been a successful manager um, at various places, and uh, Paul Aston, how would you manage the great Stan Bowles? And Jerry said, you know what, you had to give him enough sort of leeway because if he was doing it on the pitch on a Saturday, you just let him get on with it. So I think if anyone had tried to change Stan, it would have been at the detriment and maybe that's why he didn't get on with England and another QPR I've was a perfect fit for and who managed Stan Bowles was a perfect fit. See, I think the thing is you get players like, let's say Stan shows up in the dressing room at 20 to 3. Yeah. You know he's in the ground. <laughs> you know, you know he, hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't got his kit on, but he's like in the ground. And now Would that a, happen a lot? Uh, regularly, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you, you can't... <laughs> that was the norm after a while, you know. You was, if it was 20 to 3, you were quite happy. 10 to 3, you'd be panicking. So what, he watches a half 3? Well, he was, used to watch a in. few races, used to relax him and stuff. Sorry, you know, half 2, I should say. And, um, you know, but... What would happen is you get players, you know, you, you start getting the hump of it. Hey, Stan, get down here when we're here, like quarter past two. Come and be part of it. And he would, what's the matter with you? And he'd just sort of take his coat off and he'd go out and score in the first minute. Yeah. End of anybody Brilliant. having a go at him. You couldn't because you'd just go out there and do it. We couldn't do that. Players couldn't do that. I mean, a bad day for Stan was a good day for a lot of us. <laughs> and is that part of the reason that you, Finney, love Stan as much as you do? Because he was off the cuff? Because not, he didn't give a damn about perception or anything like that but because he was the character he was I think uh, and he's with, with, with Stan it's, it's, it's kind of like any young boy or girl could be Stan Balls in the playground anyone could do obviously you can't do what he can do but if you going back to our childhood if you saw anyone in a hoop shirt you'd think it was Stan Balls you know he was that iconic and what he did with the ball people could he dream of but yeah but the, the Maverick side of it and the, the better stories are brilliant and everything else but what gets me about, about the um, Jerry France interview is he was a team player as well yeah. and you get mm. the feeling that Jerry was a Stan Bulls fan yeah. more than anything oh, very, yeah. very and much so. they, they compliment each other now I wonder in the modern football <coughs> game will Ronaldo realise how good his full backs were that helped him be the player he was but no he'll probably talk about himself but the way Jerry talks about Stan says it all really and that's yeah. to me why we love Stan because he was a big headed what people think he was very level headed he was always there to talk to you could 
I mean, people tell me they used to get on the train with Stan, he'd be flying down uh, White City, do his bet, then run straight into the changing room. You know, but you've confirmed <laughs> it. Well, it wasn't that bad. I mean, like, you know, but he, he, did, leave sure? it he did leave it late a few times, you know. But I think you the, th I think the though, thing is, you? when you had, like, say, Jerry Francis and Stan Bowles, like, when you're a player and you're playing, you know there's certain players there. If you whip a ball in with a bit of pace on, you know they're not really going to be able to deal with this immediately. Stan Bowles would deal with it instantly. You'd either get the free kick or you'd be carrying on with the move going forward. And Jerry would be the same. Jerry was so strong, you couldn't get a ball off Jerry. You played one into him, he leaned into you. They were two perfect players to have in a team. Mm. You, know, you knew, and normally the defenders are the worst players in the team, if you like, skill-wise. Mm. And, you know, you'd get a ball and you don't really want to be dwelling on it. You want to fire it into one of them who's going to make something happen. You get it into Jerry, he'd whip it in the stand, game on. I'd love two players like that in our team now, wouldn't oh, you? Imagine that Sunday morning <laughs> stuff when you're going out there. But the, but the thing is about, about Jerry as well, I mean, I know we're talking about the stand, but I always remember when, when I was a kid, that goal against Liverpool. Yeah. Um, mm. you, you know, you lived it. Uh, we only watched it on TV. Yeah. Liverpool did not know where that was coming from. They didn't know if it was going to come down from the wings. Who was it? And Jerry just took it, went through them. Jesus, that will never happen again because of money, finances, stadia, but we'll never be in that position but again. I mean, we had a lot of good games down the bush. I mean, every time we would play, like, say, one of my favourite teams would be West Ham. We'd play them, it'd be a local derby, always be an exciting game. You knew they would always bring their eight, ten thousand down there. There was always tremendous atmosphere, mm. and we normally got the result. Yeah. You know, and you, you always sort of remember them sort of games, and of course the Chelsea's and that. We had. You know, the, the year they went down, we went up there, we, you know, over the bridge, we won three. Now, we've had a lot of good times. Was that the game when San sat, sat on the ball? That's the only game where um, <laughs> they've said... I've seen that for the no, they said, yeah, yeah. they've said that I scored an own goal there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My only own goal in my life, they said. It just come across, hit me on the shin. That's not really I can't believe goal, you bought that game up, Finney. That's a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's, let's move on to the game on the 29th, then. So, it, it's... I suppose it's a funny one in, in that it's going to be a very emotional day and a lot going on in tribute to Stan, but there's, there's a bit of serious business going on as well. It's the last game of pre-season, Premier League opposition. Um, Andy, what, 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 what do you think the, the, the day will be like and what's the aim for the day on the pitch, off the pitch? Well, it's twofold. You, the aim of the present crop of players uh, under Ian uh, is to put on a, a, a performance that sends people away with optimism, ready for the season that starts in a week's time. So, you know, um, they're working incredibly hard. And as we speak, you know, the, the, the training camp in Portugal was really intense from what I'm told. I wasn't there, but Ian said I uh, saw it himself. And, uh, you know, the pre-season game is up to then. So, uh, last game, we'd be hoping for a, a good performance. But the day is about uh, Stan, uh, raising awareness, getting them back into W12-4, as we've discussed in part one probably going to be the last time so that'll be a little bit of sadness around the stadium uh, what sort of crowd we're going to get uh, we, we don't know at this moment in time but there's still there's still time to get your tickets come and support the great man get down in your droves football clubs in my view are unique and special places you know managers come and go players come and go owners come and go fans stay and they they look at players as family uh, you know, and with family, we've, we've all got family. Family you love, families let you down from time to time. They'll disappoint you, they'll give you great days. Stan is part of the QPR family. He's given us a lot of great days. Let's get down, and as Jerry Francis says, let's salute the man, let's salute the player, and let's have a fantastic day. 
Great, which yeah, leads yeah. us which leads us nicely into um, an interview we've got with Ian Holloway. Now, by the magic of podcasting, we're actually recording this before the interview's been done. I don't like to break the, the third <laughs> wall or, or whatever they, they call it, but on our podcast, we make it up as we go along. Ian. So we, we don't know what Ian's going to say. He will be speaking to us a lot closer to the game we're, than we are now. So here's Ian Holloway uh, talking about the importance of the game, previewing our final pre-season friendly and talking about our big summer signings, Adult Arapt, Wayne Rooney, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Ollie, thanks for joining us on this special Stan Bowles podcast as we build up to the game on July 29th. We'll talk about Stan Bowles in a moment, but firstly, from your point of view, the last pre-season fixture before it all gets underway on the 5th of August against Reading at Loftus Road. It's, a, it's an important game from a first-team perspective. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Bournemouth have done so well under, uh, under Eddie Howe and uh, they're a shining light for everybody. Um, no matter how big you think your club is, it's... Um, or how small they looked before Eddie got hold of them again, and um, you know, look where where they are. Look what they've done. Um, yes, they've got some backing, but it's been fantastic the way they play, the identity they've now got, and you know, that's all down to Ed. So uh, it's I'm very proud to have them here. Um, are we where we want to be yet? I need to get some signings in. We're working on it, as I've kept promised, kept promising. Um, I'm sure we will. By, by, by that time, in the meantime, the boys I have got, the young ones have stepped in and done really well for us. And, you know, the atmosphere is coming really um, thick and fast. And um, as I say, it's, uh, but it's all about getting some new faces in here because um, we've got to turn around a, a goal difference that wasn't good. We let too many goals in and we need to score some more. So uh, really looking forward to it, obviously. To, and also from the club's point of view to actually give the, the take-ins to Stan who's um, one of all of our heroes for me he's a football hero not just a QPR hero and that's what I hope happens on the weekend I think we've only sold 5,000 tickets so far but I, I just think every football person who who loves skill and who, who wants to do it and actually wasn't quite good enough to do it must remember Stan Bowles um, cheeky chappy and um, one of our best ever players number 10 made the shirt famous arguably the best one ever I, I, I'm sure uh, Rodney Marsh and Jerry Francis will have something to say to you at least and Lazarus and all sorts of people will argue that but you know for me growing up he was one of the ones that you'd look look for he had the long hair he had the skill he had the cheekiness about him and, and you know at the minute it's all about life um and what he's having to fight, none of us would want to have to fight Alzheimer's. And um, should he ever really struggle after the adulation that the whole of England should have put on his shoulders? In other words, what a genius! And um, so I, I just beg anybody who's around, if their team's away from home and they can't go, why don't you just get a ticket? Because all of it goes to Stan. And the people are working so hard to try and help him. Is um, surely at times like this we should, the game should remember people and help them. And um, hopefully we can have a fantastic day for him. Hopefully Matima do well. Um, but it's more about us getting that atmosphere in that ground to for us, particularly us QPR people, to to pay a massive tribute to him and help him over the um, over the rest of his life. What are your personal memories of Stan Bowles? 
well I'm I'm slightly biased really because the fellow who taught me all about QPR and taught me about football and helped me massively in my life Jerry Francis he absolutely loved the place and he would constantly go on about the team he played in and how they were robbed by not winning the league and <laughs> and how he felt robbed that he wasn't called the best player in the team and but it was tongue in cheek but I know what he meant I know how he felt about it and I know how he looked up to 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 Stan um, particularly Stan and how it inspired him to be the player that he was so you know and I know what the club meant to him but it's just really that number shirt isn't it it, it is absolutely epitomised by Sir Stanley Bowles you know um, and I know I was at Brentford and he played for Brentford as well but you know as QPR people we we look at him now he's a wonderful photo of him on the wall downstairs and I look at it every day and he's got that smile do you know what I mean he's got that cheeky cheeky smile and, and some of the tricks he used to do as an opponent you would want to slap him for, for being so audacious but um, I mean I think the character he had and the way he enjoyed his life was, was just all so obvious to see and how much he enjoyed the game and the entertainment that he give even the opposition because they knew he was that good sometimes so I mean that's my memory of it and to have almost won the title almost um must be heartbreaking really for them because they were that good his daughter Tracy Bowles has confirmed this will be the last time that Stan Bowles comes to Loftus Road he obviously lives up in Manchester now it's very difficult getting him down to London she has confirmed this is likely to be his last visit to Loftus Road so it's going to be very emotional for Stan for his family and for everyone connected with QPR wow what can I say about that um yeah without a shadow of a doubt um Loftus Road is uh, one hell of a place and I, I, I'm glad it's not my last time I'll go in there. I, th I just think, you know, your life is so changed when you go there and it, it brings back so many memories every time you're there and, and I know we've all had some horrible ones where we've lost and we should have won games but the majority of the time it's great ones where the crowd are with you and you've only got to shut your eyes and you can bring it back and That'll be sad, you know. That'll be very, very sad for Stan. But I don't want him. I don't want him to to dwell on that. I just want him to get the reception right, so that something that he will never, ever, 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 ever be able to take away. Is this something that you, as a manager, in the lead up to the game, will make your players aware of that this is a, a game where Stan Bowles has been honoured? Do you make your players aware of things like that? I won't need to with this group. I can tell you. Um, We've been talking about trying to make some new heroes, get some new heroes in the team um, and make some of our own history. And uh, I won't need to say a word about who Stan Bowles is and what he is to QPR. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, that speaks volumes for my group right now. And looking at the game as a competitive game, as the final pre-season friendly, will we be able to read too much into the starting lineup that you choose on the 29th of July? Um, only for the squad that I've got at the moment. Um, and I believe the way things are going at this moment in time, 
the business that we've got to do might not be done as early as we all wanted it to because we haven't got decisive funds to go bang, 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 which other people seem to be doing. So we've got some very good targets. I'm very confident we will get them, but we might have to be more picky and choosy when we do. Some will be loans, some will be deals, but um, as I say, it's all about getting the right people to help this group. And just finally, for those who haven't yet bought a ticket, are considering buying a ticket, why do you feel it's important that they're there on July 29th to honour Stan Bowles? I don't think football does enough. I really don't. I think there should be things put in place. There's enough money in the game now to, to look after everybody. Right? There should be things, um, how difficult it is after you, you've lost your livelihood, after you've um, had the adulation that players have and then how difficult it is to carry on living without that same buzz um, it's I don't think it's dealt with in the right way I don't feel the PFA of we're, we're forceful enough about funds and what should happen and, and if anybody falls on our times for whatever reason that there should be something that helps them there's more than enough money in and out of the game to do that now and you know we shouldn't have to ask the punters again and again and again to keep coughing up when there's zillions of pounds in the game so I think it will change one day I think someone has to make a stand and try and get um, some legends looked after but you know I, I just want to be out there and say that the sadness of this illness and and what happens to people with this illness. I think we all need to come out now and, and actually open our hearts and make him realise how much we care. And I don't think that just needs to be QPR fans. I think Stan Bowles is famous enough for anybody who's got a loose end on the weekend to actually, that weekend, to actually come and help us all celebrate one of our best, most loved footballers who has fallen on our times and, and illness. Tickets are now on sale for the game against Bournemouth on the 29th of July. You can buy yours by visiting qpr.co.uk or calling the box office on 08444 007. Great hearing from Ian Holloway there. And, and who knew that we were going to sign Alexis Sanchez over the summer? <laughs> Fantastic signing. Um, right. So, on our podcast, we, um, we always finish off with... I love uh, your little note here. You've got Tarat, Rooney, Ronaldo, and then you've underlined Sanchez. Yeah. You're going to save them to the very Exactly. Well done. Exactly. Thank you. So, so we're going to do an R's End, which is our section at the end of our podcast, um, where you kind of, the final word, really, talk about anything and everything that we haven't talked about already, and, and, and we'll go round the table to talk about this game. Um, Finney gets very, very upset if we don't go to him last, and he ends up resigning from the podcast yet again. Um, does yet again. So we'll start with you. I've been staying for three years, actually. Three-year deal, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mine's mine's quite light-hearted. Uh, um, what have these players got in common? Then Kieran Gibbs, Darren Bent, Darius Vassell, Phil Jones, Carlton Palmer, Emil Heskey, and Danny Mills. Not only are they or were they bang-average footballers. That's just my opinion. They are more England caps than Stan Bowles. Stan had five caps for England and one goal. Interestingly, I found this on an internet thread, those players. 
entitled the worst player to win 10 or more England caps. And since, I know you're not, you're not on with us now, but the first, first note on this thread said, Andy Sinton, 12 caps, a winger who could not beat a player. He's not here to defend himself. But in all seriousness... I'm not having that. You look at, you look at some that. of these players and you look at Stan and it's remarkable to think that... But there's only... no comparison, is it? No. Stan was in a different world, every single one of them. Emil Heskey, 62 appearances. And they've got double, double digit Bowles, appearances five. and Stan's got five. It just tells the whole story, don't it? Stan wasn't popular with the people who were picking yeah. the side, the coaches, yeah. the FA, whatever it might have been. You know, he was a maverick, he was controversial, they didn't want yeah. him. Yeah. So they actually opted to take worse players to play in the game as opposed to I just, stand out. And play I just found that incredible. Totally ridiculous. My only other one is that um, Andy Evans, who's obviously played a part in, in tying together the Forever R's and the um, QPR Number 10 Foundation, after we had the Stan Bowles Day um, a couple of years ago, me and Andy shared a beer with, with Stan for 15, 20 minutes. And uh, people always say, what, what are your standout moments of my time at QPR? I've been here for 11 years now. And sharing that beer with Stan was just amazing. And... From my point of view, I just want to see the stadium as full as we can possibly be on July the 29th. So just everybody buy a ticket if you can. Paul Morrissey? Um, I just want to thank all the people that have got involved in, like in uh, thank everybody who <laughs> <got us laughs> everything they've done for yeah. this podcast. And a ticket at Fiddy. Um, yeah, no, I just want to thank everyone that, that has got involved in this podcast. Obviously, Don Shanks, Colin Hale, Andy Sinn, and obviously you guys, David and Paul. But also, the, the people that we spoke with, uh, Martin Tyler was, was so keen to, to do a piece with us, which is great as well. And it was really, I thought it was really interesting to hear from him, someone who's watched the, the great footballers in this country over the last 40 plus years, mm. to have such strong memories and affection for Stan Bowles says everything. Um, and obviously great to, to hear from uh, Jerry Francis and Dave Thomas and uh, Ian Holloway as well. Yeah, and, and of course, this is part two of the podcast, but if, if you didn't catch part one, there was this great interview that Paul's referring to with Martin Tyler. Well worth a listen. Um, I'll jump in here. I, I just wanted to touch on, on Alzheimer's itself and, and the, the yeah. condition because this is not something that will be alien to anyone. Everybody will know someone, perhaps have someone in their family or a friend that has been uh, struck down with this cruel, cruel condition. So... This is something everybody can identify with. And if it has touched you and your life and your family, you will know that you're looking after your own. You're doing everything you can to look after them. Well, Stan is one of our own. You know, I am, I am of the age where I never got to see him play, but I'm QPR, he's one of us, he's one of our family. And so I would just appeal to everyone, if you can get there, get there. If you can't get there, buy a virtual ticket by hospitality package if you've got a few quid and you're able to get behind this game support Stan let's help pay for his care and let's look after our own well said um, Finney you're not getting the last word because I think Don has definitely earned that right uh, over you absolutely uh, a few more times QPR than you so um, uh, not in my head <laughs> <laughs> I scored better goals against Chelsea I'm sure you did <laughs> in my head in my head um, did we have a Paul Finney who played for QB? Was it Luton? Who's the little centre forward? We've got an Alex Finney. Is Alex Finney currently in the under-23? You've probably got yeah. someone in the family somewhere. Well, my dad was called Tom Finney, but no one ever believed me. <laughs> and that is a true fact. <laughs> he wasn't a footballer. Sorry for burning. He was a terrible gambler. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, what, what I will say is that, you know, we've talked about this before, about when we were young, dreams 
Stan and you guys gave a stream. But we all we were all Stan balls for the day. We all did what he could do or tried to do it and probably messed it up and everything else in the playground. He was an idol. He's a hero. He needs our help, guys. You know, it's as simple as that. This is not modern-day footballers that have got yachts and got their own helicopters. This is a lad that needs our help. He built our dreams. I want to look his family in the face and him and know that I did everything possible to, to, to get as many people that ground as we can. Um, you can't pay for dreams, but what you can do is pay £12 to say thank you to Stan for giving you the dream and laying the foundation for being a QPR fan. And how all of you, they've got your name, you've got kids named after Stan, you've got dogs named after Stan, you've got your favourite hamster named after Stan. Please turn up, support Stan, forget everything else that you read on Twitter, the internet. This is purely about Stan, nobody else. We've got to help the man. And Don, you've been brilliant with this and you've been a true friend to Stan. And Stan can thank you, but I can. Thank you very much for everything you've done for Stan. Thank it you. is much appreciated. Dom, you, um, those who listened to the, the first part of this podcast will have heard about Stan's condition now and, and um, where this money's going to. Just remind us all um, about that and how important it is to you that people support this game. Well, yeah, I want everybody to support it. I mean, obviously, it's sort of um, it's for Stan. It's for future situations that they're going to have to finance. You know, I mean, I see the everyday running of the household up there when I go there, and this is the hardest thing that anyone would have to do, is look after someone with a, a condition that's advanced as what Stan is right now. So what basically the money will help will be for the long-term care that's going to be required. His daughter, Andrea, takes care of him right now, but everybody who knows someone who's had this awful condition knows it gets to a point that you can't no longer do that and they have to go into full-time care with medical people around etc stan isn't far away from that i'm sorry to say mm. he's struggling to get around in as much as you know uh, anywhere different his comfort zone's manchester we went up the other day as we spoke about earlier and stan was in his comfort zone that's why he had a, a nice little way about him that day the minute he comes mm. out of that area he's looking around like he's in a war zone it is really, really difficult. I want to ensure, along with everyone else who's worked, to say, well, when it gets to the point, and it will, that he has to go into a full-time care, we want somewhere where it's close to the family so they can go down there, spend some time with him. We want to know that he's sort of like in a nice place, got everything he requires there. And that costs money. The money we get will go to ensure that Stanley is taken care of in the best way possible for as long as he's around. And there's something for everyone. There's tickets for the game, but there's virtual tickets for people who can't be there and, and some really creative and interesting hospitality packages. Yeah, we've, we've, we've tried really, really hard, along with the club. The club have been tremendous in the help they give everybody. They've basically said, look, you've got carte blanche here. You can sell it. We'll open it. And we're at that point now. We're selling things. We've got, like, you know... X amount of tickets gone, I don't know what the exact thing is, but we want the whole ground open. What am I worried about? Stan's come down two, three times, we've gone on the pitch every time. Stan's have been full everywhere. Mm. Stan walks straight out, waving to everyone. What, what goes through his mind when he comes over and sees the Ellie Road stand with not one person? Yeah, very good point. Yeah. I don't know how he's going to react to that. He don't deserve that. We deserve the ground to be full for this man. He gave everything to the club. We had him in his prime. We had some tremendous games, tremendous memories. And let's give him one last memory of what the QPR fans really are. Let's fill it up. 
Well said. Well said. Um, so the, the actual last last words um, is going to Tracy Bowles, uh, Stan's daughter, who we got a short interview with, um, and this is what she uh, had to say about the, the game. Tracy, Stan's daughter, today we're here and it's fantastic to see your dad in great spirits and enjoying the, the company, enjoying Don, enjoying the scrapbooks, but obviously it is a, a difficult situation and this opportunity to fundraise it is vital, isn't it? Yeah, it's vital because, um, I mean, we're trying to keep him with us as long as possible, but there is going to be a time when he needs more care. But um, we're just grateful to everyone for doing this match. Um, we're really looking forward to coming down, all the family, so... Be a good day. I know it must be difficult from your point of view to everyone. It's Stan Bowles, the legend. To, to you, it's obviously your dad, and it's a difficult time, I can only imagine. Yeah, it's difficult watching him deteriorate, really, but hopefully, I'll have a good day. I think it'll be his last time at QPR. I don't think we'll be able to go there anymore. So. I mean, he's a bit bouncy now. He's yeah, a bit yeah, he's, I mean, yeah, he's, he's sort of like, today's one day of his today, good days. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, we had a drink day. with him yesterday in the pub, and the whole family come along there and they're all looking forward to coming down to London. Stan loves London. He loves the bush, as you know, and uh, all the family, real support with everything. Yeah, we just thank everyone.